We are now going to hear from God's Word. We're going to look at these two very short psalms, Psalm 127, there it is, and 128. Right at the heart of the Bible, the songbook of the Scriptures. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for the food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. A great psalm, very appropriate for this service. This was chosen uh, in uh, April following the Easter services as the program has been set out, and without orchestrating, the subject today is the theme of families, and it will be relevant and, I'm sure, applicable to all of us. Uh, I'm going to preach a sermon, and I heard somebody once say, not a particular compliment, that a sermon was a monologue by a moron to mutes. It's not very nice, is it? Well, you would be the judge as to. (laughs) The Psalms are very um, challenging and also very comforting. The theme is um, family, and this is a part of a series of four sermons where we're thinking about in praise of, next Sunday we'll be thinking about involvement. The church is not a spectator sport but an involvement one like the Olympics if you like Uh, attitudes to go through life with healthy attitudes and at our communion service we're thinking about um, uh, the issue of uh, sacrificial love this morning then in praise of family in praise of family let's face it families today are in trouble. Behind closed doors, there's a great deal of ill at ease, a great deal of tension. Our society used to honor traditional values like, and the sound of them almost come like as if it's from a former generation, faithfulness, loyalty, honesty, integrity, moral purity, Kindness. 
and now seems rather indifferent to these values, indeed, and on times, hostile. Like ships with faulty rudders, families end up lost at sea. Something is missing. No, from the psalm, someone is missing, unless the Lord, unless the Lord. Our culture is increasingly secular, and part of that secular influence is we become not only indifferent, but hostile to spiritual values. Coming to church yesterday, I met uh, two ladies whom I got into conversation with, and um, this lady quite um, openly said, I know you're the pastor, but I'm an atheist. So we had a discussion, and um, as we left, she said this to me, well, I won't see you in hell then. And I said to her, only by God's grace I'm going to heaven. Years ago, people wouldn't have talked like that. But the, the, the secular influence that marginalizes his spiritual values is gaining momentum. If we were to crystallize this psalm, we could use a Latin motto. I know Latin does impress people, but this does crystallize. Well, I'm not doing it. Uh, and it's this. Here, here it is. Nisi dominus frustra. Nisi dominus frustra. Nisi, nothing. Dominus, almighty God. Frustra, frustration. Without the Lord, a growing sense of frustration in our lives. The psalmist isn't saying this so that we can have a discussion. He is saying it as a statement of fact as these uh, pilgrims make their way as part of the songs of ascent up to Jerusalem. And it's a family thing. A family is a great word. Even one or two of our good friends uh, from the States have begun to feel a little bit homesick. Family is a wonderful thing because it's a relational thing. And there is no cure for the absence of our family. What is a family? Well, I'm not going to focus on that directly. What I am wanting to do is to focus directly on what is your family? It would be easy to preach a sermon on the statistics, the demise of relationships, the growth of multiple partners and divorce and so forth. We could leave saying, yes, isn't it terrible? But wait a minute, what is your family? What is my family? That's the issue. A good book was written by uh, Edith Schaefer, Francis Schaefer's wife, a very well-respected speaker and author, and it was called What is a Family? And uh, the various chapters and, uh, under these headings. Okay, listen to this. What is a family? A birthplace of creativity. A formation center for human relationships. A shelter in the time of storm, a perpetual relay of truth, a museum of memories, a door that has hinges and a lock. And each of those chapters are very revealing in terms of how families cohabit and 
coexist together. The trouble is, instead of it being a birthplace of creativity, it can be a place of enormous conflict. The great preacher Spurgeon lamented the fact, even in his day, people were like angels in church and devils at home. Church is no place for hypocrisy. This is a good place to sort out our lives and get re-inlined with the Lord Jesus. Is it a museum of memories or a ghost house of regrets? What is your family? So we're taking both these psalms and comment briefly uh, upon them. And I think the relevance of this psalm is for all of us, married, single, divorced, children, no children, grandparents, or whatever. So what I'd like to do is to use three headings to try to summarize these two psalms. The first is what we can call the foundational years. The foundational years. Look again at Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. What we could call setting up home. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. What is the civic implication of the erosion of family life? And secondly, those frenetic years, years of work and busyness and growing children and mortgage and commitments and so forth. And finally, the fruitful years. Let's look at the first, this foundational uh, period in people's lives. Think of these themes for a moment. Just think of them as they apply to you. Building a house, setting up home. Keeping watch. Having values where you say, your people, your friends at school may be doing it, but you're not doing it. They might be sleeping around, but you're not. You might think that's all right, but I don't think so. Not here. How do you keep watch? Are we lights? Or mere reflectors of values. If we are lights, we'll point the way. If we're reflectors, we just reflect public opinion. Which are we when we think of our family? It's easy. It's a cop-out to blame the politicians, isn't it? Or the NHS or something. Somebody's to blame. But what is my family? What is your family? What about uh, toiling for food? The grind of work. Day and night. And family justice, living in a world of injustice. These are, if you like, are the mainstay occupations. These are the things that occupy our time. But the very idea, and I want you to think about this, the very idea that these noble tasks and values, okay, building a home, keeping watch, working hard, a sense of justice, these values are in vain. Are you say, are you serious? Well, that's what the Bible says. I'll just read it to you. It's not my, these are not my words. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen guard in vain. In vain we rise early and stay up late, toiling all hours, catching the next flight. A, a, a busy life. And how often do people say to you still, I'm too busy. What he's really saying is this, not that these things are wrong, they are good. But when they become ends in themselves, you are heading for a cul-de-sac. 
My work is an end in itself. My family, my needs. And we begin to turn in on ourselves. What is your family? It's a very strong thing to say in vain is worthless apart from the Lord. I wonder if you agree with that. Apart from the Lord, worthless. Oh, we need to perhaps put it by way of a question. Is, is God the builder of our home? Is God the one who blends our relationships? Are we building with his material? Are we following his plan? If you to talk to the building committee as we're thinking about this small little chapel here, we have to go by the specifications. I knew somebody in this village, actually a person who came to this church who extended part of his house without plans and people came and said, take it down. You have to go by the plans. Whatever your ideas are, you'll be called to account. That's how it is. Are you building with his materials, using his plan, following his specifications? And what are they? Relationships that are built on forgiveness. Think of lives that are ravaged by people who refuse to forgive. Think of relationships that are blighted by bitterness. <coughs> Forgiveness, grace, and a future hope. Jesus preached a great sermon. Many of you will know that. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he ended the sermon, as a good preacher should, with an illustration. And I want to read that illustration to you as we think about those foundational years. See, the thing about a foundation is this. You don't see it. You only see its impact. Is it secure or are we building a house of cards? So Jesus ends his sermon like this. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. By the way, the rain is a thing of prosperity in the West. Some of us are showered with prosperity, which itself has had a devastating effect on relationships. The rain came down. The streams rose. The floods blew. And against, uh, uh, against that house... Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain, the same wind, the same streams beat against the house. It fell with a great crash. It wasn't that he's unlucky. It's a foundational thing. A foundation of building our lives on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus. So, your house, your life, mine, built on the rock, the solid rock, or shifting sands of luck or circumstance. You see, it isn't that the issue then isn't what you're building with. Clearly, some people are more gifted than others. Nobody would question that. It's what you're building on is the issue, not with. Some clearly have more gifts than others in life. That's obvious. But it, what we build on is the big issue. The raw materials of gifts and health and children and life as it's given to us. 
whom we are building on. Grace, mercy, and the living Lord. The foundational years. Laying a foundation. But let's come secondly to these, what I can call, uh, frenetic work, um, uh, years. Years when, and some of you here, I know I often say this, that following an elders meeting, which can go on sometimes 11.30 at night, some of the elders are on the road at half six in the morning. What's that about? And not home until the children are in bed. That's not good. Sometimes it has to be. But we need to regain rhythm and pattern in all of our lives. So no, no one's wanting to go on a guilt trip here. But what do you make then of this, this verse here in Psalm 127 and verse 2? In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Working life can so easily become an end in itself. Our dictum, unrealized, is I work, therefore I am. And that's why some people are in fear and trepidation of retirement. People like me. I know. Working to live becomes living to work. That's what I am. And after that, Or burning the candle at both ends. It's well meant. Rising early, retiring late. Here's the question. What is the casualty of that? This good, almost Protestant work ethic. What is the casualty? The casualty of it is perhaps health, stress and other things but supremely relationship. You just don't have time. That's why for some people, Christmas and holidays is the most stressful time. They look at each other and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to say? You're like living with a stranger. All the year, just spending all our time at work. What about healthy relationships that would be a corrective to stressed relationships? In the home, what are we like to live with in the home? In work, how do our colleagues value us? What do they say about us? What do they say about our Christian faith? Would they see something there that is not only laudable but desirable? We spend so much time in work, don't we? And look at this psalm in verse 5. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. In a litigant culture. To stand for integrity and truth and openness and honesty. Yes, in the city where so much of the press has had a field day, and perhaps rightly so. And what do you make of, of um, these verse 3? Children are a heritage from the Lord. It's absolutely right that for, for Jim and Wendy here that they are... Uh, Dorothy, you can open the door. That'll be good. Thank you. Um, the, the, what they've done is to, is to give back to the Lord. That's what they've done. 
If you say, this is my family, this is my child, this is my home, then you might find that in the course of time, it becomes a cul-de-sac, becomes an end in itself. Children are a gift given to some and not to all. Marriage is a gift given to some and not to all. Health is a gift given to some and not to all. And think of family relationships that are blighted by unfaithfulness, illness, bereavement. Not only the death of a spouse, but the death of a child. And parents who grow old without seeing the extended relationship of their children. Life is hard and difficult. IKEA have a motto. Uh, do you have Ikea in the States? You do? Yes. I guess they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, oh, one. They're up north. Okay. They're in the States. Yeah. Okay. Ikea says, this is the, you see it festooned on all their publicity and these big trucks that they have is, home is the most important place in the world. And therefore, of course, make it beautiful. Buy our stuff. Let me give a different angle on that. Home. For sure, the home is the most potent influence in our lives. Especially when you're young. A great deal of what we are now is the influence from childhood days, good or ill. What children live with is what children learn. Don't blame the teachers or society. Let me put it to you. A series of negatives followed by some positives. Think about this and think about children. If a child lives with criticism, he learns very quick to condemn. Is yours a home of carping criticism? That's the application if it isn't obvious. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to develop a guilt complex. If a child lives with shame, it learns to feel inhibited and shy. However, if a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to have confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns appreciation. If a child lives with a sense of fairness that is tangible in the home, he learns a sense of justice and it's seen at the city gate. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to accept himself or herself. And if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, they learn to discover love in the world and in relationships. What are our children living with? What are they living with? Transparent tenderness? Authentic spirituality? Inner confidence? Unselfish love? Well, they're big questions, aren't they? 
Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. The first gold medal was to the archers, did you see it, at Lord's Cricket Ground. A young 23-year-old Chinese, and I couldn't help but think of this sermon, what if the arrows were bent or twisted in some way? How can you hit the target? And how can children go straight in life when they might have been wounded or abused in the home particularly? The home, the most potent place for blessing and for conflict. The frenetic years. Marriage, children, family, relationships are essential. They are gifts and not a right. The one thing I always say when it comes to marriage preparation is this. This is a gift from the Lord. Not you are right. If it's your right, go through life and make all the demands that you want to. It's about you. If it's a gift, then be a blessing to your spouse because it's about him and her. And finally, these fruitful years. Look at Psalm 128. Blessed are all who, all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be a fruitful vine and so on and so forth. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. So we try to come to a conclusion. This, this Psalm 128 continues the theme of family blessing. Actually, it's blessings in the plural. But the vision is wider. Look again at Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in your ways. All who fear the Lord. And look, you move from the personal, if you like, from the private, the privacy of the home, your personal family, to the public and the collective. From the home into society. You can't separate them, can you? And what is this? Look. Verse 5, may the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. Where do you live, move, and have your being? You're part of a prevailing community and society. One of the things we've lost in the Western world is when a child is born, the child is born into a wider community. Not simply to me. This is not just my family. Interesting talking to some of my Muslim friends in the village here that they often can't understand why the Western people don't see a child born to a family as part of the community. The truth is so much, even in, even in rural places, where is the community? Well, here yeah, yeah, you have it in verse 5 and 6. May you see prosperity of Jerusalem, the place where you live. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon our nation. And suddenly the ripples are felt much wider and farther and greater from generation to generation. The fruitful years. In verses 5 and 6, it is a reminder that God is the source and the fount of all blessing. We were teaching our good American folk last night uh, a grace, I was asked to say grace, we sang uh, this this great, it was good, wasn't it? Was that the first time? Yes. Cool, where have you been? <laughs> okay, let's take time off. Let's sing this, okay? 
Yeah, yeah we'd be all right. <laughs> Don't you leave me sing a solo or I'll kill you. <laughs> right, wait a minute. What was it? Right. All good gifts around us. Look around you. Have a good look. Then thank the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord for all his love. What you're doing is only affirming the sermon that I'm making. You look around you. And what do you do? Do you give thanks for people or do you take them for granted? That's the point. All good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. We take from the hand of the giver and reject him. That is sheer crass response to life. At the very heart of Psalm 128 is a personal joy and it is linked intimately, linked intimately with communal life. I suppose church is a subculture of communal relationship. It's not perfect. We don't always see eye to eye. We often disagree. I hope we're not disagreeable. And I hope that the things that we say are said truly in love as we express forgiveness with each other. When the great Spurgeon invited, we should invite people to church, shouldn't we? He asked this man, are you coming to church? He said, no, there's too many hypocrites there. Spurgeon said, well, there's room for another one. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, we're not perfect. Let's not say that we are. But, look, if we are really a community of authentic people who speak the truth, who affirm one another, who stop criticizing one another, then that becomes a very powerful thing in any given place. So, there it is. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem where you live. And... There's something else here as we conclude. The empty nest syndrome. Well, that would be a sermon in itself, wouldn't it? They are not yours. Let them go and they'll come back. Hold on to them and they may not. Let them go. They are meant to. With your blessing. May you see your children's children. And may you know the shalom of God. Stop trying to orchestrate and manipulate. Even with the empty nest syndrome, God brings his shalom. You see, here's the paradox as we conclude. The paradox of our time in history, here we are is that we have taller buildings. Look at that new building in London. But shorter tempers. We have wider motorways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more and have less. We buy more and enjoy less. That's our society. And here we are in praise of family. Even here for us, for this church, we have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, 
and hate too often. And we need God's grace. It's easy in one way, isn't it? We're, we are a living contradiction. We have put people on the moon and we won't talk to our neighbor next to us. And so, unless apart from the Lord building our relationships, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late. We need to know the peace of God in our lives. His grace and his forgiveness. And we can know that as we trust him. We're going to sing this hymn which collects together all of these thoughts and it begins with thinking about the foundational years, these frenetic years and these fruitful years. And the hymn begins, Lord.